My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here uh, at Reach Community Church. I'm excited you're here. Week three of um, Jumpstart. There's only one safe person in the room. I have to do that for the recording because I cut it off. <laughs> Awkward. Um, is Adam. Where's Adam at? Adam. Adam. Adam's got steel toe shoes on. He's the only safe person in the room because everyone else, I am intentionally going to step on your toes. And I apologize at the beginning, but not really because it's his word, not my word. You like that? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, but that, that's what's coming. So here, here, here's what, what's been going on. So the last, um, two weeks and third, three week today will end next week. We've been talking about this idea that most people, maybe you're not most people. So if I ever say most people and that's you, not you, don't get offended. Just say you're talking about the other guys. I probably am, though. Most people are looking into 2019 going, it's got to be better than 2018. You got You're thinking like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to I'm going to eat better. I'm going to spend my money more wisely because you're looking at credit card bills. And maybe you're thinking, maybe if I get some money back in taxes, I can get out of debt and all these things that you think if and when. I change, 2019 will get better. And so what we're talking about during this series is this idea that sometimes our uh, our forward momentum is deadlocked, like a car that you go out tomorrow. Tomorrow it's going to be 24 degrees in the morning. <laughs> Welcome to North Carolina where it's 50-something in the morning this morning, 24 tomorrow. It's actually going to be colder this afternoon than it was this morning. And so here tomorrow, there's a higher likelihood, because batteries don't like to start when it's cold, that your car won't crank up. I'm not speaking that over any cars in Jesus' name. Let them all crank and warm up quickly. But there's a high likelihood that you won't have any forward momentum tomorrow because of this one little thing. And, and I believe that in us, there's a, there's a capacity for God to do something in us that will change that stopped, dead motion or lack of motion into a forward movement that can continue for the rest of the year. And so the first week we talked about jump starting uh, our prayer life. And last week we talked about jump starting this idea that if, if we can set our eyes in the right direction, if we can set our vision towards the thing that we want to go towards without being divided, our life's going to be better. And this week is, I'm going to talk about house cleaning. You cannot continue. You cannot let 2019 be better without eliminating something. You can't. Like, we can't, we cannot do everything that we did before and expect it to be different. So that means there must be some things that we de- decide to intentionally to get rid of. And so today we're going to deal with this hidden thief that is literally robbing you, sucking the life out of you. If if you right now are dealing with being overwhelmed or you're anxious or your life is falling apart and there's just stuff going on, that hidden thief within us is sin. And we don't I mean we don't like really, I mean we're in the south and we like the word sin, but we don't really understand Sin. Sin is everything inside of us that is distracting us and deterring us from the one thing that we truly desire. 
which is intimacy with the Father. And so what I want to do this morning is not necessarily call out sin. Like, if you've struggled with this, please raise your hand. I'm not going to do that. So if I accidentally just say raise your hand, just don't. At the beginning, like, don't raise your hand during anything that I say today. Another cue to this is don't necessarily elbow anybody beside you. (laughs) No one else might see it, but I'll see it. I'll be like, oh, I see that elbow. (laughs) Don't do that. And so here's a couple of questions for you. Are you allowing sin? And this seems weird a little bit, but it's intentional. Are you allowing sin to live in you? I know it seems weird, right? Here's another way to ask it. Are or have you given up the fight to kill sin in your life? Thinking to yourself, I can't win. Why even waste my time? Here's a disclaimer. There is no one in this room that has finished the battle of sin, including, probably even more so, including yours truly. You know, you, didn't, you don't empty yourself of sin and never sin again, and then that's when they allow you to be a pastor. I don't know if you thought that. Maybe you're like, oh, he's perfect, I'm not. Talk to my wife and my children. I am flawed. But I'm in the battle. I'm not satisfied with this sin, this lurking thief in my life. So the truth is, most of us in this room have struggled, are struggling, or will struggle with this sometime in our life. And here's a quote from this guy named John Owens. And uh, part of this came from, I'm going to say this word. I told myself I wasn't even going to mention this word. Uh, There's a book called The Mortification of Sin. And you're like not a word. Try to use that this week sometime. Did you mortify that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll think real like. Uh, but, but the whole premise of this book is, is we, and it's off one text, which we're going to talk about. And the whole, it's, I think there's 86 pages or 100 pages in this book. Uh, you can download a PDF. If it intrigues you, you can download a PDF, um, read it, and, and get this whole idea of, of how. But he had this one line in there. I'm going to say now, and I'm going to. Get to it again. This is really kind of the the one thing. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you, period. If you're not fighting for it against the sin that is in your life, it will overtake you. Period. We cannot, we cannot ignore this silent killer and expect it to leave us alone. Ask some of the seasoned slash old people in here how that works. Ignoring never fixes anything. I include myself in the old people in this room just for the record. Thanks. Okay. So if you struggle with sin, and here's, here, please stand up. Don't stand up. I, I just put that in here for fun. Um, we would all have to stand up, and then those that didn't stand up, we would deal with later. <laughs> because you have deceived yourself thinking that you have not. Now, you may be better than some of the other people in the room, but really one sin, fall, is really all that needs to separate us from that joy of the presence of God. And here's what I'm not talking about before we get into this, which we're going to deal with a little bit. 
I'm not talking necessarily that if you've given up, well, if you've given up fighting sin, you're in trouble. But I'm not necessarily talking about this reality that we cannot still be loved by God in our sin because he chose us knowing that we were his enemies. But what I am telling him, it will it may not rob you of your eternity, but it will rob you of your life now. So if your answer, uh, if the answer is nothing, then sin is still robbing you of your life. Today, we're going to take a hard look at how we move forward and fight the good fight and finish well. So I'm going to read part of and I'm going to read a lot of text because I think sometimes we can give one scripture and then you miss the context. I'm going to read a, a lot of text that I just need you to hear so that I can get to Romans 8. 12 and 13, which are what I want to go. 13 is where his main text came from. I don't know if you know this. You've been around long enough. You know Romans 8 is like one of my favorite texts ever. Okay, so before we read his word, let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that right now that these are your words, that this is your truth and this is how we experience you, how our life changes and how we conquer In you, the sin that is ravaging our life and our families and our relationships. And so, Lord, as we look at something that seems very, very overwhelming, I pray that you and your grace and mercy show us that in you, we are more than conquerors. In you, we have hope in this war. That even though we're surrounded, (laughs) we will trust in you. So, Lord, do with your word what I cannot do with mine. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Romans 8, 1 through 11. I'm going to read. I might make a point here or there, but it's, I mean, literally you could spend. This guy named John Piper is a a pastor of a church. He spent eight years going through Romans. Verse by verse, eight years. We're not going to do that. But he did. Verse 1, chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This isn't in there, but amen. If you are a child of God and you are getting beat up by what I'm going to say today, you need to go back to Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation which means being condemned. It's not saying there is therefore now no conviction for those that are in Christ Jesus, because, amen, we need conviction. No condemnation. Verse 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, Sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Who wants that? Life and peace. 
Who wants death? No one in this room. Please don't raise your hand. Remember? Don't. Now you can say life and peace. You can raise, you can raise your hand on that one. Verse 7, it says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. If you want to do something great from God, it is never going to be in your power. And here's the beauty of everything I'm going to talk about today. It has nothing to do with you. If you try to conquer, battle, destroy sin in your life alone, you will lose every single time. But if you, with God the Father, the Holy Spirit that He gives us as a gift, choose to rely on Him, we have life. Verse 9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Ah. He, not us. The spirit that dwells in us will give our mortal bodies, which meaning right now, will raise us from the dead and give life through the spirit. Which I don't know if you caught this, but over and over again, it it never said you work harder, you do better, you stop that. It never said anything. It said if in the spirit you then. That's how it works. That's how this whole equation, if any part of what you hear from me doesn't fit into that model, ignore it. It's not willpower, willpower, willpower equals success. It's Holy Spirit, life submitted, surrendered to the king. And then you, you have to participate. I'm not saying that you don't do anything, but in that you choose and decide. To surrender and trust. And here we go in verse 12 and 13. So then, so he said all of this. So then is, is now he's going, okay, you just read, you just heard, you, you now know at least from that. So then, brothers, we are debtors, which means we're in debt, we owe, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. In verse 13 it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Period. Actually, comma, but in what I was saying, period. (laughs) But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I, I mean, this is hopefully every time I say I'm going to be shorter, it's not shorter. And I hate making promises that I break over and over again. But I, I don't I don't really need to do a whole lot here. I don't think anybody in this room is is unaware now of some. Yes, I think we're blinded to some of our sin until God brings it to our attention, which hopefully he will do in and through today. But I think most of us have a lot of areas that we know need improvement. This is one of those places where I'd say raise your hand, but don't because we're all there. We don't need to raise our hand. 
But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, sorry, the, there was no but at the beginning. For if you live according to the to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, remember the equation, by the Spirit, you will put, if by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you want to live, if you want peace and joy in this mortal war world, you will have to continually decide to put to death the sin that is in you because that sin is sucking the life from you. Period. I got this out of a commentary and I should have written where it was from. I apologize. It says, the reason is this. Putting to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, the daily practice of killing sin in your life is the result of being justified. And the evidence that you are justified by faith alone, apart from the works of the law, if you are making war on your sin and walking by the Spirit, then you know that you have been united with Christ by faith alone. And if you have been united with Christ, then His blood and righteousness provide the unshakable ground for your justification. Justification is what Christ does in us the moment we say yes to Him. The moment we surrender our life to Him. He justifies, which makes us just in front of God. Which we need. And so we're not talking about justification here. We're not talking about like, if you kill sin, then you will be justified. That's not the equation. The equation is, we are justified by faith alone, period. And in that, we have access to fight. 14 continues. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Which is this intimate, it's, it's like dad. Like I've said this a lot, my children don't go, Father, Father. I would like Jersey Mike's today. <laughs> which they would. They're like, Dad, hey, I'm hungry. Get me food. I would prefer Jersey Mike's. There's an intimacy that comes through that. He's saying, stop falling. So if, if you're falling to fear and to anxiety, it's, it's a trust thing. You're trusting in the wrong thing. And what he's saying here is, don't fall back into fear, into that slavery. Because you've received the spirit of adoptions of, of sons or daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, it says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, (laughs) this is always a great one, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It will not go easily. Like, the end of your sin isn't when you walk out of this door. Like, I'm fighting it. It's all done. He said, the warriors are here. All I've got to do is sing and claim. It is a battle that you will have to fight over and over again. And I just want to say, do not be discouraged if you're still fighting. Be discouraged if you've given up. 
Because the only way that you will never succeed in destroying sin in your life is giving up the fight of eradicating it in our life. It's a process. It's something every day that you're going to have to be intentional. Here's another one. Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know how many people run in here. It's horrible. I, I do it every now and again. I don't like it. But I have reasons why I do it. And most of them aren't really good. Other than, you know, I want to age well. Just to be plain and simple. But I will tell you this, I'm not like an ultra runner. Some of my buddies ran in a uh, there was Southern Ultra Tour yesterday, and uh, two of the guys that I know ran 50 miles on a five-mile loop, 10 laps of, of like trails. And a good portion of it was muddy, horrible trails, 50 miles. <laughs> and then they had, a, they had a 50K, which is 32 miles. They had some people, I did this last year, you just run a lap, which is five miles, which is still horrible. But I, and so I'm not really smart. I mean, I know you should have, you know, decent running shoes and you should probably not run in jeans. Like, I mean, you can do that, but like I wouldn't recommend it. But I do know something. You don't want to add any weight to you when you're running. That seems pretty smart, right? I mean, you're going to go like tomorrow. You're like, listen to that sermon. I'm going to start running. Don't get the book bag out. Don't throw bricks in the book bag. I mean, it's silly. We're thinking, of course, he's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm barely going to be able to run. Why would I add anything to our life? And, and here's what Hebrews is telling us. If you're going to run a race that is marked out for us, which we all have. And here, here's the beauty of this. Like, we don't look to the other person of where they are in the race because it's not your race. Let me give you a lesson that I, I didn't learn for like 10 years of being saved. I looked around and every day and I'm like, why can't it be more like that guy? Or why can't it be more like that guy? Or why, why is this not happening to me? Or that not happening to me? Or why am I not here yet? There, look, look at that pastor. Look, how, and look at that youth pastor, which I was before. And it's like, oh, you know, and instead of just going, hey, God has designed me to run the race that he marked out for me. And so the only goal I have is running the race that he put me on. So we stop looking around and judging where other people are in relationship to us and just run the race that God marked out for us. And what he's saying here is get rid of anything extra. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Does anybody else think that sin is just like too close? 
Like it's there and like how do you get rid of it? It's like this leech that's sucking the life out of you. And how do you fight it? What do you do with it? And here, here God is saying, hey, hey, the, the race run with endurance, which means this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon, which those are horrible too, just for saying. Tried that once. I did come through the finish line. I don't know that I'll ever do it again. I don't have the head game for long distance running. I've learned that. It's my worst enemy. But the thing is, how are you going to get rid of the weight that's there? Because it's there. I mean, we're all in this place that something is clinging to us. And not that I am going to give you the definitive, but I want to give you, I think, some things that if you'll be intentional, you will eradicate in your life. And a lot of that starts with awareness. You being aware that it's there. And you being aware that if it was gone, I could move better in this race that God has called me to. Period. <clears throat> Pretty sure this one came from John Piper. It says, The faith that makes peace with God makes war with sin. Let me say that again. The faith that makes peace with God makes war with sin. If you are not at odds with sin, you are not at home with Jesus. Not because being at odds with sin makes you at home with Jesus, but because being at home with Jesus makes you at odds with sin. That's good stuff right there. I did not write it. I didn't want to even think you thought I wrote that. Let me read it again. The faith that makes peace with God makes war on our sin. If you're not at odds with sin, you're not at home with Jesus. Not because being at odds with sin makes you at home with Jesus, but because being at home with Jesus makes you at odds with sin. Let's go back to this quote from John Owens. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. If you don't leave here today upping your level of commitment of eradicating in this in your life, there, there will be no jump start. There won't be a start. We cannot expect to move into this place that we ultimately desire if we're unwilling or, like he said, or if we're willing to be at peace with the sin that's in our life. And I don't, look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it will ever go away, but our war will always have to be there. <clears throat> so what's your plan? Just acknowledging it will not change anything. So we're sitting here going, yep, yep, there's one, there's two, there's three. Uh, and that, you know, there's no one in here that just has three in it, sin issues. Let me just tell you. We have, we're, we're like a football field size onion of layers of sin. You know, the moment you feel like, ah, you're like, God's like, lots of layers. And so here, here's three things. And the, the, the last thing is just rinse and repeat, which means continue to do it over and over and over and over and over again. 
Here's three things. We have to start here first. Repent and confess. We cannot make ourselves aware of it and then not do something with that. If we become aware of it, we have to repent of that. Acknowledging it. And, some, and confess. Oh, that seems terrifying. In just a little bit, we're going to have prayer teams up here. And I just want to state at the beginning, everybody that comes up to get prayer today does not mean they're confessing something, okay? <laughs> they're like, I ain't going up there. <laughs> People think, i got problems. Like, I got, you know, I, I can't be, you know. <clears throat> but listen to this, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That seems, I mean, that seems terrifying. Someone else understanding your addiction, understanding what's going on in your life. But look, how is it working? You getting away from it. It doesn't. There is something that happens when you're willing to say, this is what's going on with me. I suck at being a father. I'm not saying me personally, but I'm, we, we, sometimes I do. Don't want to overstate that. I'm, you know, I'm not doing well as a husband. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm underachieving at work because I'm, I just don't want to put the effort. I mean, there could be so many things going on. I, I have a, a I got re- I got to be careful how to state these things. You could have a porn addiction. Well, I said I have a porn addiction. I do not have a porn addiction. You could have a porn addiction. You could have a alcohol addiction. You could have a drug addiction. You could struggle with anger constantly, and you're constantly anger angry. Which is a sin. It says, in your anger, sin not. How many in your anger, how many times in your anger have you not sinned? Raise your hand. Okay, and tell us your number. Don't do that either. You cannot move forward. You cannot eradicate this in your life without repenting and confessing. Well, truth is, in that part of that repentance, a little caveat here. For one, you can't beat sin without God. You can't beat sin without surrender. You cannot beat sin without the Holy Spirit. And you don't have the Holy Spirit if you're not a child. So if you're not a child of God, that's the first thing that you have to do, period. But that's part of that repent and confess. But if you're a son or daughter of God, you still have to stay in this constant state of going, repent. Um, I won't give false credit this time. Um, there was a guy who spoke here. His name's Chris. He said that a measure of our maturity is how quickly we will repent. Depending on, you know, if you want to see how mature you are, see how long it takes you to go to your whoever you offended, whoever you did something wrong to, and go, I was wrong. I mean, really wrong. I don't mean like, I don't want you to be angry at me all night and not talk to me, so I'm going to say some words, so hopefully we can get this. I'm talking about really going, I was wrong. I I, me, me, I did this, not, and this is, let me just help all the husbands in the room. This is not a good way to say I'm sorry. Hey, honey, I'm sorry, but. If you're sorry has a but in it, 
it's not a real sorry. Husbands, I'm sorry, but if, if you wouldn't have said that thing to me, at, you know, just a few minutes ago when I was really vulnerable, I would not have. I mean, if there's a but and you're sorry, then you're not sorry. I just made that up. I'm sure I stole it from somebody else. <laughs> Confess and repent. One. Two is ask daily, hourly, minute by minute, if necessary, for the help of the Holy Spirit. If, like we just read, there is no victory without the Holy Spirit, then your help, your victory is going to come there. And that made me start in the morning going, God, I need you. I need you. Like, I'm not going to be fill in the blank of all the things you want to be without your Holy Spirit. Like it said in verse 13, it says, but if by the Spirit, you can't do by the Spirit without the Spirit. Asking daily for, from the Holy Spirit to help. Here's the third thing, and this is, this is a little bit thicker because there's, there's multiple things with this. Start, not a judgment if you're already, start and or continue in your spiritual disciplines. You can't, like, we've got to be like making us aware, but we cannot move forward without this independent, personal, relationship with Jesus means spending time with him with Bible reading and study memorization prayer fellowship we cannot change the better part of us if if it's by the spirit then we have to know the spirit and in the primary way that we know the spirit is through those disciplines prayer Bible reading memorization fellowship with other believers those are things that you're going to have to be continual out and the last thing is rinse and repeat those over and over and over again until you die. I know it seems overwhelming and most things, um, I'm by nature a procrastinator. That's why I didn't like school. Because they ask you to do things and they usually tell you in advance. And then you just procrastinate because that's what you do, right? And I know it seems overwhelming. I know it seems like, oh my gosh, like Heath, you just told me you know, especially if you're younger, I'm going to spend the rest of my life fighting. Yes. Now, here's the thing. If you don't want a life, that if you don't want the life that you desire, then don't fight. Stay just the way you are. Have a mediocre blank, blank, blank. Marriage. Children your relationship with your children, have all of these things. If you, if, you don't, if you don't desire those things, then don't do them. But if you do, if you desire to cultivate a real, authentic relationship with the Lord King, Jesus, then you're going to have to fight. You cannot be at home with sin and be in relationship with Jesus. And I'm not saying it happens. Like, oh, you know, well, you know we sin all the time. Just drive a little bit. You think your sin problems are gone? Just get in the car. I feel that I'm the only road rage person here. I appreciate you for putting me on the spot. Bless you, bless you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite our worship team um, up front. Uh, We're going to worship. We're going to close out our service. And my hope and my heart is that you don't leave here without some reflection that moves to action.
Look, my, my heart is not to condemn you. My heart is not to overwhelm you. My heart is to stimulate this thing inside of you that wants and desires the relationship with God the Father that you want and desire. And, and we cannot get there without killing sin. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. And so step one, I, I just encourage you, and you can do this in your seat, is if, if God has brought attention to you. Now, here's the thing. Like, I usually know what I'm talking about before I come up here. Like I'll put usually there. Um, almost 99.9% of the time. So I've had several days to God to expose lots of sin in my life. So you're just becoming aware now that, oh, maybe this is something I need to look at. I've had several days of going, ha, Holy Spirit, yeah, I'm not pointing at like something you did, Anna. Um, <clears throat> it, it, for God to just go, hmm, you can talk about sin? You're going to talk about sin? What are you going to do about that? Look, it just means that we're willing to fight it. And so what I encourage you as we go into song is that if things have been brought to your attention, have a conversation with a merciful, loving God and say, God, this, this is me. This is where I am. And this is what's going on. And I want to move out of this. And then, and then I encourage you, if you don't do it today, confess it to a safe person. There's, there's power when, when something you've been trapped under when you let it out. I mean, the Gospels talk about that. Like if, if, you, if it comes into the light, it loses its power. Confess. And a great place to do that is today in prayer. If not, just stay there. Stay in the place doing exactly what you've done, getting the exact same results. But if you want to move into that place of just going, God, I want to be used by you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want my relationships to impact that. I want to see your kingdom grow and expand. And that's going to be at the expense of the sin that you let live in your life. Meaning, that's going to be at your willingness to fight the fight that God has put you in. And so if you've identified it, if you've named it, confess and repent it and move into that place. And then ask this gracious Father who's given us this deposit of His Holy Spirit that is is co-equal in the Trinity that's living in us. Just like it said in Romans 8, it says the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. When you feel overwhelmed, just like that song, is like they're surrounded me. Realize the power of the living God is inside of you. And let's see what victory God can bring to us when we're willing to surrender. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that right now that we, as we sit here or stand here in this room, have even the opportunity to confess and repent. And so as we transition into worship, as we transition into singing, Lord, I pray that you in us would do what only you can do with the sin that's in our life. Lord, I pray that you would show us the power that you offer us to overcome what we are unable to. And Lord, right now, I pray in Jesus' name that you would eradicate shame that keeps 
your people trapped in sin. Lord, I pray that we would experience the grace and mercy that every single person from the Samaritan woman at the well to the woman with the issue of blood, all these people that had no right receiving your mercy because of their either breaking the rules or the laws and your grace and your mercy and your willingness to even touch lepers. Lord, I pray in Jesus name that no longer would we fall into fear and back into slavery, but we would claim, proclaim that we are sons and daughters of yours. And so Lord, I pray that today that you would bring the war cry of the victory that you desire for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.